2: or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: The Around the NFL podcast is very popular with British
3: men. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm coming to you from a virtual room Build with heroes Mark Sessler Greg Rosenthal what's up boys I mean
4: I think we, I we rage with with the British men but there's at least 11 um, British females that tune into our show I'm saying at least I think it could even be 12
3: it's a real shame that we're not going to be going overseas this year because of you know uh, but <laughs> I will say we can rest easy knowing that we were making progress year one our first trip to London in 2000. 18 there were 3 people uh that were not white males at the um live show
4: and they're by force potentially there was no Ye- evidence that they went out and bought their own tickets <clears throat> right year 2
5: there were at least 11 women yeah it was a little more diverse in, in general uk uk fans get a lot of pop and we're doing a little NFL UK show they announced uh Later this week on Thursday, the information is on the NFL UK Twitter, around the NFL Twitter too, a little live show with Neil Reynolds. That'll be fun. But I, I want to say, I'll give a little shout out to our Canadian listeners, because UK gets so much pop. I happen to be perusing our like, analytics and looking at the international numbers, and it's like Canada's a strong number two, and it, it's, they're not as vocal apparently, but they're, they're massive, and we don't, we don't give a lot, of, a lot of pop to the Canadians. And while we're here, I'm going to give some pop to the American
3: listeners who uh, comprise our largest audience and uh, (laughs) always, uh, always love, you know, you know, the old Zeuser. He loves the USA. These colors don't run all that. All right. Should I
4: pick a a nation or a country to hoist up? It's not too late. Very excited it's, about the uh, Estonian uh, listening contingent. There's at least six or seven of them, and they're they're diehards, according to Greg's uh,
5: analytical map. It's uh, it's always funny though when Dan points out like he loves the USA as if like he loves it more than he's trying to say he loves it more than us. I do. I, I see what I you're do. doing. I do. I think he might. I do.
3: <laughs> I think we are a flawed country, but uh, so too is every human. You know, we're we're working at it, and hopefully we can be better. But the bones of this nation. What it represents is a beautiful thing, but we could always strive to be better. USA. Okay. Now, <laughs> let's get to it. What's happening? <laughs> America's not, in a, it's not a place. It's an idea, boys.
5: <laughs> I'm letting you uh, stand out yeah, on this no one. It's, you know. See, that's I think, why I love the country more. I mean, I, I, we all love it. We all love it. I we see know. it as a complex a idea. Better.
3: Yeah. All right, today's show is a good one we um we're what we we've talked about behind the scenes we're trying to navigate this. We've done over a thousand episodes we've done i think this is gonna be what our eighth or ninth season uh but this one is like no other season for obvious reasons uh with the nineteen and as such, it does feel a little strange to dive into. Uh, certain conversations about the season that's upcoming where it probably makes more sense to kind of live in the moment and and just document what's going on right now and how the landscape looks as the NFL attempts to work its way through this really uh, tricky situation uh, that's presented itself in 2020. So we're going to do all the news. Uh, We're going to have a a good friend of the show, a man who's, I want to just say, who's bod. Maybe lost some spotlight. It didn't lose any greatness, but it lost some spotlight because Nick Shook rolled in with those giant traps and biceps and all that <laughs> stuff. Well, it's time for somebody else's body to get the recognition that it never deserved to lose in the first place. So that, that's my tease for later in the show to talk about the Detroit Lions, mm. uh, a team that's dealing with some very serious COVID-19 issues itself right now. So let's get into it. Plenty to talk about. Ricky, let's hit the news. Yeah, Wayne understands that the NFL is the most profitable sports league on earth, and there are only so many opportunities that come along like this. I mean, you're talking about an enormous real estate play with an A-list tenant. The Raiders had a great season. It's a shame Derek Carr went down when he did. Yeah, he's a great QB. Huh. Let me tell you something. And that is the most I've heard or watched from ballers since the first episode when I couldn't believe that Home box office had botched such a tremendous mm. premise for a show. The Rock as a former star turned agent, the ability to use all the real logos and team names, celebrity and, and NFL star cameos galore. And somehow
5: it was like list level bad. I hate ballers. <laughs> I never saw it, but I, I did see a couple Twitter clips of Jay Glazer's acting. So if that was kind of like uh, an indication of what the rest of the show was like, I didn't need to see that well, much more. I mean, Glazer actually in
4: his, he has a mailbag. I'm not saying it's the preeminent version of that ah, type of article, mailbag. but um, he in his uh, version of that, he talked about the fact that the Ballers uh, director and producer allowed Glazer and others to really kind of impromptu on the set that they'd go through like a lot of different just sort of hamming it up with Glazer and Glazer's actor or NFL friends and it created some uh, high drama. I've seen probably four or five episodes. I'm not as uh, down on it as you are, Dan, but I never watched more and I I think that they botched what could have been Hmm. something very, very special. It had a lot of annoying cameos on it.
3: Okay. Anyway, the reason why we just heard from Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, is because he bought a a stake in the XFL, buying it out of bankruptcy. And um, this kind of reminds me of when Justin Timberlake uh, bought into MySpace in 2011, thinking that he could be part of rebranding it and bringing it back. Uh, feels similarly doomed for The Rock, but he's a very successful man. Maybe him and his partners uh, – who include his ex-wife, by the way, nice job there, keeping it together for the, for the biz. Uh, maybe they could figure something out to make the first true professional sports league alternative to the NFL since the AFL-NFL merger in 1970.
5: Hmm. We'll see. It's going to own a team, and too, that,
3: you know? There you go. And that's the lead story of today. No, here's the lead <laughs> story of today. Uh, COVID time. It's that time again. Doug Peterson, the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, has tested positive for the coronavirus. ESPN's Tim McManus reported it. Uh, He added that Peterson believes he contracted the virus outside of the Eagles' team facility. Peterson is asymptomatic, fortunately. He says he's feeling fine. The Eagles also sent home another member of the staff. Um, So Peterson is out for an indefinite period of time. It, it once again, remind you of how, how quickly things can be depleted and how a team now has to begin preparing for a season. That's five and a half weeks away, six weeks away, potentially without the leader of the team, Greg obstacles upon obstacles right now.
5: Well, yeah. If I think more than anything, it's just a reminder to the rest of the league. They better have their backup plans in place. And Peterson spoke with the media on Monday He's still going to be doing some of the virtual meetings as much as he can. Sounds like a lot. I mean, it, you know, if, uh, you know, broadcasters, I remember Chris Cuomo was doing shows from his basement with uh, with the virus. I guess you can be holding your virtual meeting. So Peterson's away from his family. Uh, he's away from his team. He's still going to be doing his work somewhat. But it's a reminder. Every team needs a backup plan, and not just for your head coach. You need a backup plan for every single coach on your roster. For every single staff member on your roster, I mean, what if you lose? You know, you know, the Vikings lost or the Chiefs lost their 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 medical examiner. So you're going to need to have backup plans on backup plans for players, staff, coaches, and it's going to be a season full of backup plans. Like best best backup plans wins because everyone's going to need need some of them. I mean, I think in this
4: case it's Deuce Staley for the Eagles, and if you want to look at it from a rose-colored glasses. POV. I guess you could say that in the season, a guy like Deuce Staley, some of these guys who have been um, at the assistant level for so long, that it might be a chance for them to come in and coach a win or two and show what they can do in the same spot. But I, I think it's the when you lose the cluster of defensive coaches, potentially. Peterson is asymptomatic. That doesn't mean that we won't get a coach at some point who is symptomatic. And while Chris Cuomo did CNN from his basement, I mean, not everyone is going to be, you know, in that level of, you know, not being touched by it. I I think that the coaching side of it and the staff side of it is as perilous as anything else. And it's just sort of like a high brow, high level name where it reminds you, it's not just, um, you know, large defensive tackles opting out and catching Corona.
3: Like, like uh, Mark Sessler, I'm a huge baseball fan and um, (laughs) I've been watching my Yankees every night, including their sweep of the Red Sox this weekend. Tough break. Uh, Greg, I know you were watching the games as well. Uh, And I think from watching that, it feels like the NFL is going to be a similar situation. This feels like a war of attrition, not just for the league, uh, just to try to survive it, but for every team. And some teams, if this does go on a schedule at the NFL, some teams you imagine are going to be more fortunate than others. Some teams are going to see their seasons potentially wiped out because of this. And what I guess concerns me and makes me nervous as a, a sports fan Uh, and somebody that covers professional football for a living is you watch what happened again, baseball, which is the Guinea pig right now um, with the Miami Marlins. And they had a ton of positive tests and there was some talk and speculation uh, that there was some irresponsible um, things going on with the players that led to the big outbreak in their clubhouse. But now we have the St. Louis Cardinals, another team that's dealing with an issue here and, there's a possibility here that there might not be irresponsible behavior going on. I don't. I doubt Doug Peterson was irresponsible, and it just reminds you how easy it is to catch this, and how one person getting it can change everything—the fortunes for an entire organization that has dreams of winning a Super Bowl. Well, on the right.
4: Cardinals, there's reports the Cardinals went to a casino. So, hmm. I mean, I think that you could, if you're going to, it is. It comes down to the choices you make and i mean i just think we're in a much different world than when when tom hanks and two nba players caught it it shut down that sport entirely now the the nfl's viewpoint and tell me if you think i'm wrong seems to be at all costs we're going to press on and the and the idea of you know competitive uh imbalance is already at play i mean we when players are opting out left and right there is a competitive imbalance and like when you're losing coaching staffs more of that i mean it, it's a very different world than we lived in in March.
5: Well, and I think it's going to be up. It's really interesting that it's that the Saints, for instance, are creating their own mini bubble where 130 of their 150 players and staff are staying in a hotel, uh, are planning to stay in a hotel um, for camp, and they're they're taking that step on their own. And so it's trying to mitigate whatever risk is out there. But it, it is funny, like people come like everyone's furious at the players who are being irresponsible going out, and it's like, and that and that makes sense. But you know, there's not quite as much fury of like, all you have to do to get coronavirus is go out a couple times, and you'll probably get it. Like, you know, like that's that's what I gonna, meant. If you're I not going to be solving, if you're not going to be solving that issue, it's going to be it's going to be pretty difficult right. to to solve. Uh, and the ho- for the NFL,
3: the hotel issue idea for the Saints. Sounds like a sound one in principle, and I wouldn't be surprised if other teams do it, but that could also backfire in a huge way because somebody sure. can contract the the virus and then take it into that hotel and then game over. The Saints and, and whatever team else has done. My, my I guess what I was saying, Mark, was whether the St. Louis Cardinals were at a casino or the Marlins were out at a, at a hotel bar or whatever, that's one thing, and that would almost set, in a weird way, set your mind at ease. It's like you will ruin your season if you can't be disciplined. But then there's going to be a bunch of other guys and guarantee it happens and already has with all these tests that are coming through that didn't do something reckless that maybe went to, uh, you know, take their daughter to the park or went to the grocery store because it's that it's that contagious. It's the
4: virus is not simply, you know, responding to reckless behavior.
3: All right. And speaking of the COVID-19 virus, the Lions and the Jaguars have placed their starting quarterbacks on their reserve COVID-19 list. Matthew Stafford uh, hits the list uh, after results came back from the team's third round of testing on Friday. Um, It is unclear how long Stafford will be out per NFL protocol, but the team is scheduled to start their strength and conditioning workouts on Monday. And Stafford, of course, very um, uh, unique situation for him. His wife, Kelly, had brain surgery uh, in the not-too-distant past. She just had a child this spring. So you wonder what Matthew Stafford's thinking right now. We talked about this on Friday's show. What a huge franchise-altering decision a, a franchise quarterback has in front of him if he feels uncomfortable about playing. I have no idea where Stafford's at mentally right now on that, but that's the situation. And then your boy, uh, Mark Sessler, Gardner means you. uh he was added to the COVID-19 list by the Jags along with, um, four other players on the Jaguars. So Minchu who's, who's locked and loaded as their starter for 2020 in Jacksonville, he also is in the same boat now uh, as Stafford, waiting to get well and get back on the field.
4: Yeah, I think part of it is we're thinking it's August, there's all this time for conditioning, and you know everyone will be, in theory, back and ready to go in September. But imagine if this were week seven and you lose Stafford. Kenny Galladay we mentioned in the last show. TJ Hawkinson, you're, in theory, you're... St- you know, blooming into a productive tight end person right there. That's a huge chunk of your offense. I, again, it just points to competitive imbalance for me. And I, you know, it, it, losing a quarterback is one piece, but you could also lose four defensive linemen. I mean, it, I I, I want to be positive about this, but I think it's as tricky a scenario as um, by 10 that we've ever encountered.
5: Now, the NFL is hoping that all this, you know, daily testing that they're finding people, you know, that are testing positive and that the tests, you know, now that hopefully the players are coming in and they're being safe, that the the, the numbers are going to go down. But it's hard not to notice that they're a little clustered that I think there's seven, seven or eight teams that haven't had any positive tests. But you got like the Lions offense that. You know, you don't want to you don't want to guess what's going on. But they, they were working out uh, separately, like like the NFLPA t- told them not to. And, and there's been clusters on a couple teams, Jaguars and Lions and Vikings being being three of them. And yeah, you, your mind thinks about the, the season and if, if that happened, because in theory, you know, it's not like the virus knows what when the season starts. There, there isn't that much that's really changing between now. Actually, and then. it does. Greg, right, sorry gonna, to jump in here. The virus is aware that mm. September eighth is
3: kickoff, so and they are very film. excited about it. Yeah. Well, it is very excited about that.
5: It. That would be good news, but it, it, it's such a dramatic like whiplash of like and sending out like this slow motion video of Gardner Minshew on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you know, check out our Instagram, by the way, around the NFL. Big pop for that right now. Uh, you know, they're
3: they're sending that. The ha- up. Hey, Ricky, wh- what's the handle on that, Ricky?
0: Come on, Ricky. It's at the ATN podcast. There you go.
5: It's like okay, so we we got the we have we don't have any uh, slow motion Gardner Minshew shots, but the yeah, Jaguars do. do, and it's like his hair is all flowing, and it's like it, he was like just on the way in to get like test positive for coronavirus. I don't know. There's something dark <laughs> well, about that was
4: that. a be- that was a beautiful <laughs> Minshew video, but um, there's something about it that I'm not. I don't know what he's been doing with his off season, but kind of felt like a ripe character to be. Well, plucked by the old Corona. How
3: dare you! What do you think? Is he's so charismatic that coronavirus going to help? Uh, I mean,
4: I think that all sorts of things are attracted <laughs> to Gardner Minshew, and uh, as are probably
3: you know airborne yeah, diseases, in, so. including one guy on this show.
4: <laughs> I think he's a great player, and he's an exciting character, and he, I, the NFL needs him right now. So I couldn't be more on his on his uh, get better. How about that?
3: I'm excited uh, for you, Mark, uh, because moving in, you're moving. Uh, you shared me photos of your new home that you're moving into with your family, and it looks great. I'm very happy for you guys. Uh, Thanks. Just so happens that Corona did send an evite for uh, that Thursday night kickoff game, Texans-Chiefs. Uh, they, they're they setting up a party at your house that night, so watch out. <laughs> I mean,
4: you know, you'd think in past uh, years it would be my dream to get not a really devastating version of Corona, but just... A soft one that kind of pulls you a lot of you know a lot of people's sympathy and empathy about this guy's been through a lot you know but it doesn't really you know attach you too hard in this case I'm over it I don't want to catch it I don't want my kids to catch it or any of you it's, it's lost its appeal
5: bold stance okay good Nice, le- good lesson to learn there.
4: Greg just wants to have, uh, Greg just was like, get Cecil out of here and put Patrick Claybon in here for the rest of this What year. are you talking about? <laughs> I'm, just saying,
5: I'm just saying, you're really going out on a limb. You don't, you don't oh, want to catch Greg. coronavirus. <laughs> Please. In, in other most news. Most years, I would have loved this uh, coronavirus, but not, not so much in 2020.
4: It's lost its, it's, uh, it's flash.
5: <laughs> in other news,
3: it is. Good times to be a Jets fan. Jets linebacker C.J. Mosley, who signed a massive free agent deal uh, entering the 2019 season and then ripped up his groin in the opener and basically missed the whole season. He has now decided to opt out of the 2020 season. Um, Source told Rich Cimini it was due to family health reasons. Mosley, uh, his contract tolls. You're going to hear that a lot with these different things. And we're, we'll talk about the opt-out situation in the NFL, which is murky right now. And some people are not happy about it. Uh, but Mosley, who has four years left on his deal, he opts out. So what that means is he gets the stipend from the NFL, I think 150 grand. is that what it is, that will be taken out of a future salary unless he has an underlying medical condition. Uh, and then next year, the contract tolls. So he still has four years left. He doesn't have three years left. And I did think it was an int- interesting, before we get to what this means for the Jets, interesting um, report I read from Mike Florio at PFT that there is a little bit of buzz, and I'm not connecting this to Mosley or anybody, uh, that that some teams are unhappy that they have a, a, a feeling or a vibe that some agents are trying to use the opt-out as leverage, whether it be uh, for a contract est- extension, or players who feel like they're not going to make the team anyway, so they are opting out and taking the the money. That is uh, a
5: report that I read. I don't know what it means, but it, it did raise my eyebrow. Well, put your name on it, then. That's a serious. I mean, the people that are being sources for PFT because that's a pretty serious accusation. And I don't, I don't see it any is. like, I don't see any specific players that you know, anyone's suspecting or fits that mo because. Ultimately, it's just fronting them, you know, unless they have a medical condition, which no one's going to have a problem with. Like like Marcus Cannon, for instance, is officially, um, you know, the second category where he's getting $350,000 because, you know, as a former cancer survivor. Um, it's just giving the money that they're going to get later anyway. So if you're going to be, like, whispering about that, I don't know. Put, put your name on it.
3: Please. All right, I like that, Greg. And as far as the Jets go, mostly – was supposed to be an important part of this defense, obviously. So in the span of a week, they lost, uh, Mosley, Jamal Adams to the Seahawks in a trade. And, uh, the jets, I will say they're pretty deep at inside linebacker. They did a nice job. Greg Williams, plugging the holes with Mosley out last year, but it really does feel, and I, I try to be optimistic as a jets fan, as stupid as that idea is, but, You just you can't take away that much talent from that defense. And I I do really like Greg Williams as a coordinator uh, and expect this team to compete at a high level. Um, And it just reinforces to me what the 2020 Jets season is about with all those draft picks ahead and the idea of building toward the future. This, to me, is more and more becoming a season that's about can Sam Darnold progress? Can this offense take the next step with Gaze? Because once you remove those two heavy hitters from the defense, I feel less and less... Um, confident that they're going to contend for a playoff spot. There's just not enough talent on the roster.
4: I mean, I think if you're Joe Douglas, who we can agree is probably the one thing you could say going forward, it's Douglas and Sam Darnold that you could still see here um, a number of years. When Mosley's contract now isn't going to complete four years from now, it's just less and less In my book, the odds of him even being there at that point, I think if you're Joe Douglas, like if you want to be an optimistic Jets fan, you've got to go through another rough ride. It's going to be, it's probably you know on paper looks like a rough ride, but you're setting the table to attract maybe a different tier of available coach um, with all the future draft picks and a quarterback in place. If Darnold improves, to get a coach that you don't have to, who isn't who isn't a a dead man walking right now. (laughs) Gase is a dead man walking, and I just don't know. I think it's a tu- another tough year on a fan base to sign up, and all the pretty words about Greg Williams. I mean, Greg Williams won't be there five Uh-oh. months
3: from now. He'll
4: be, well, an interim, he'll, he'll be an interim coach for the second <laughs> time in three or four years. Williams has a history
3: of Mark. you're getting fired him. up about the Jets again. Calm down. No, he, he, I think
4: yeah, okay. I, I'm being optimistic. You're going to get a better coach, which they probably should have done earlier. Yeah, <laughs> I do about you're, optimistic. You're, you're in a better environment. I think you could make a better argument. All right. Mark. Well, Maybe. Williams
5: has a history. He he was really good at improving kind of a under-talented group to average or better than average. And the second year usually goes okay, and then it usually starts kind of going off the rails. But the ro- you know we don't need to linger on the Jets too much. But I, it's funny, I remember writing something about the Jets earlier this offseason. I said, I, you know, if you look at their roster, I think the only position groups that are average or better or have a chance to be average or better are inside linebacker and safety. And now now those ones I, I wouldn't say would qualify either. They'll probably keep Avery Williamson, who who is maybe not going to make the team. We don't really know. And, and I am going to point know. out, it really reminds me of uh, Juwan James, who wasn't in a rundown, but I'm going to throw it out there anyways. The Broncos right tackle, who, like Mosley, got a huge salary, like two of the highest paid players in free agency last year in terms of guaranteed money. Barely played at all because of an injury last year, like Mosley, and also opted out on Monday. And also, that's going to be you know a troubling position group potentially for the for the Broncos. So, like two guys, it's free agency. It's always a risk, and, and these are two guys who got so, a lot of cash. Where do you year. find a right help.
4: tackle right now?
5: Not you're not you're not going to find a right tackle. <laughs> uh, the
3: Jets also released Ryan Winters, their guard. He's been a starter since 2013. He should catch on somewhere else as either a depth or starting piece. Uh, speaking of the opt out. Patriots safety and their forever captain, Devin McCourty. On Sunday, he he spoke out. Uh, he's angry with the NFL for attempting to move the deadline in which players can decide whether or not they want to opt out this year. Here's what McCourty had to say. I think it's an absolute joke that uh,
2: the NFL is changing the opt-out period, mainly because they don't want to continue to see
3: guys opt out. Um, I'm sure they're shocked uh, about how many guys have opted out I think it's terrible. I think it's BS that the league has changed that date. And the Patriots, of course, Greg, have had eight players opt out of the 2020 season. That's the most
5: in the NFL. And you wonder, McCourty speaking out like this, if he could be next. Yeah, listening to um, his quote, there are a couple interesting things. Number one was what you just said. The way he mentioned it, he thought... Players still hadn't decided that they haven't even been in the facility, and that there there's gonna be more to come. And so that was that was my take, which which has been borne out because I think when we last spoke, we were in the mid 20s in terms of opt outs, and now we're we're speaking Monday afternoon, we're in the mid 40s, so it's almost doubled since since Friday, and it looks I'm like enough. it's gonna continue. And he indicated, you know, may, maybe he wasn't. Um, you know totally on board or not the other thing that's interesting to me is he's responding to a report from Adam Schefter that the NFL was going to make the deadline Tuesday or Wednesday instead of being one week from when they actually signed the CBA remember when we were like oh yeah they signed the CBA and we we said that live on NFL network or you know we retaped like a whole second that was that was 10 days ago they still haven't signed it Still hasn't happened. Like, the players don't have to let them move that deadline. So we haven't heard anything about it since. That's kind of a floating story. And if they are going to move that deadline, the players are probably going to ask for something in return. There's no, I have no idea what that would be, though.
4: And, and Dan, the other side to the report of um, agents saying that there's this sort of negotiating for new contracts is there is concern, according to Florio through a source, unnamed source, that – Players are just using this as a way to guarantee income, Um, even though that doesn't make a lot of sense because it would come out of next year. Players on the bubble are saying, "If if I think I might not make this team, I'm opting out to get the money. But you'd still have to give it back if you didn't make a team next year. So I find that to be a dubious idea. And look, I mean, if anything... I think the opt out and this is just my personal belief should be extended. They should put it out a number more of more weeks because this has to be a careful decision that you don't either you don't want to rush to opt out when you find out the team is handling it the way you are. If we were going to go back into the workplace with a similar situation and you had family members concerned, what you it, it makes sense that you'd say let me go see what it's like. Let's get an idea of how much uh, this th- we think this can work, and then make a decision versus having to do it in a rush. I hate the idea that players feel—if more people feel like McCordy—that they're being pressured into this decision.
3: I, I'm totally with you, and I'm going to bring Kevin Patron on right now, our buddy, uh, to jump in on the convo if you hey, want. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> like, why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't you, Kevin? I'll I'll set you up with this. Why wouldn't you extend that op out to? deep into the um, training camp because don't you want to see if if you're that player, I want to get on the field. I want to be hitting some people. I want to see how those tests come back and then I'll decide if I'm going to try to play a whole season. It Mm. does feel like they're putting the players in a needlessly difficult situation decision-wise. Well, I I
2: can't completely disagree with you, Dan, but I mean, you think of uh, from a coach's perspective, I just jumped on this call. So I don't know what you guys have been through before, but if coaches are uh, constant whiners about everything they can't control. So that's just another thing you're throwing at them. And they're going to, they're going to whine and they're going to complain about not knowing what players they have. And you're just giving players. I mean, is it going to be a situation where you got a player who probably knows he's cut? Then he just takes the opt out as opposed to getting cut. So put it off baseball
5: players are still opting out in the middle of the season. That, that seems problematic. And ultimately, the players agreed that they would you know, op, the, the deadline would be a week after they sign this thing. So, so it's, it's not going to be later than that, but it is, it's fascinating to me. They're still negotiating. Like these, they're even sending out transactions. Okay. This guy's officially opt out. This guy's on the COVID-19 list. They actually haven't even signed an agreement that those, designations exist. It's a, it's a very strange time. And there's a lot of trust between both sides. I actually think the players have done a pretty good job as Devin McCourty kind of pointed out standing their ground. And, and this is one, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do stand their ground and, and the, the date doesn't wind up getting pushed in the end. Patra. All right. That's what's happening in the news. Yes. Kevin Patra is
3: joining the show. It's been a while. It's been too long. In fact, it's been and too we're long. so happy that it, yes, it has been. And it's, it's, the reason we, you sprung to mind, Patrick, is because we wanted to pick one of these teams that's dealing with a lot of drama right now and in this modern NFL landscape. And your Detroit Lions are right at the top of the list because not only do they have, I believe, seven uh, players on the COVID-19 list, it's also now Matthew Stafford. And it happens set against the backdrop of a very important year for the Lions, a year where there's a belief. Greg, I think you talked about it on uh, our last show. Sneaky, trendy. I think they're kind of a sneaky, trendy team. That they're technically a favorite, according to one odds maker, and (laughs) there's a lot of hope around the team, but then also a pessimistic side that says Matt Patricia is still the head coach, and this ain't going to work. Where is your head at as a Lions fan? As just someone that follows and writes about the league so well on NFL.com right now. Yeah. Well, I think we're all in a world of unknown. We don't know anything.
2: Like, there's a part of me that says – we don't know about COVID a lot, a lot of it. Maybe this is a thing where, you know, Matthew Stafford contracted it. And now he's, he's going to clear. He's got, he's got antibodies that he's not going to have to worry about it later in the year. We don't know that yet or not. So I think that the optimistic side says, well, maybe we get this out of the way early. And I think with Stafford going out on the COVID list, people are kind of forgetting that Kenny Galladay and Hawkinson are both on that list too. And that just like triples the, uh, the factor for it, it's screwing up the entire offense that looked kind of like it could be one of the better offenses when Matthew Stafford was healthy under Daryl Bevel last year. And that, you know, the ad swift, but the COVID situation just does what it does to every team. And it just a lot of unknown at this point point. I mean, you hope Stafford's okay, asymptomatic, obviously, but at this point, but what, what do we know about this virus is very little. Cause it keeps seeming to change by the week and by the month.
5: Well, I you mean, think Kevin, about the ahead, Red Greg. Sox player that's, you know, Edward Rodriguez. We don't know what, you know, we're not expecting this to happen to like a, a great number of NFL players. But you think about the Red Sox pick, pitcher, Wardo Rodriguez, who's out for the season because of complications having to do with COVID. and And that's what you are worried about, that this, when these guys get back on the field, look, the Lions players might be back on the field by the time pads are on anyways. I mean, that's not happening until August 17th. Not, not not, a lot is really happening other than, like, working out and, and mentally preparing. But you're right. Like, having the unknown of, like, what, how these guys are going to deal with it afterwards is – I don't know. How can that not hang over you? What do you think about the Lions, Patrick? Um, I'm cautiously optimistic.
2: If Stafford can stay healthy. Yeah. I liked I – liked, I mean, I like the offense. I, 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 my pessimistic side is on the Matt Patricia defense because I still don't see where the pass rush is coming from. Unless somehow Gerard Davis turns into a, uh, edge rusher, overnight, because mm. I don't see where he's going to fit in otherwise or Jamie Collins becomes something that we haven't seen in the last few years. I don't see where they're going to get pressure. I, the back end of defense doesn't bother me so much. Uh, I like Akuda. I think he's going to be a really stud player that's going to fill in for Slay a lot. Um, but there's, again, There's this whole pessimistic side that this is a team last year that had no depth, and you saw that when Stafford went out and other guys started getting hurt, still doesn't have a lot of depth. And that's going to be huge in this year with guys going on the COVID list. It's going to happen since some Lions already got sick. So you just assume that's going to happen during the season. And if you have a shallow roster, I think you're going to get screwed at the end of the day. You You talk about teams like the Saints, like the 49ers, like the Ravens, like the Chiefs. The upper echelon's team, they can withstand a guy going down to a position group. Shouldn't be shallow. I, Bob Quinn's fourth year there. You know, no shouldn't excuses. Be but, shouldn't be but are. I mean, mm. it, when you're basically, you're banking on expats the whole time, and that's, your, that's how you're building your roster, you're going to be shallow because these veterans, you, you know who they are and you know who they're not, and they're not, they don't have crazy upside anymore.
4: I mean, Kevin. Let me ask you this: if you were to get, if you were to get a Lions win for every thousand news articles that you've written for NFL.com, I'd put them at about an eleven or twelve win team at this point, if not a twenty win team, right to the Super Bowl twenty and zero. But in a, I, I, we all deal with this variously in our newsroom. Um, if you root for a bad football team, are they playing
5: it, twenty games? Yeah, I was going to ask that. Right.
2: Too. Well, that's that's. They're playing the Pro Bowl too. They're going to go back to the old format.
4: If it were the old format, you could go 20-0 and 0. if you went 16-0 and 0 and maybe won an extra preseason game. I don't know, 19-0. The,
2: the championships you used to play the college all-stars. We're going to go back to that. that throw we that, that in. We, find that. we need I'm, to find that 20th I, win my, somewhere. I'm
4: getting killed for math on this show. That's where we're at with this point. I mean, I would just ask you, though, do you feel that the national – because I, I think it was the last show where I said I thought they could be the seventh – why, the seventh playoff team in the NFC because I could see them maybe just going old school and running the ball like forty five thousand times and just maybe sneaking in there. There is a reason to kind of like the potential of the Lions. Do you think when we but the, the, the other four thousand times I mentioned them, I just sort of feel like they're boring. Do you think that's an unfair viewpoint from the national media?
2: Yes, just specifically you, Mark. I think it's unfair. <laughs> I'm not alone. I I, I didn't come up with that on my own. Given that you've gone through the pain of a losing team year after year after year, just to look north of your rooting interests and just decide to kick us at at every moment uh, on the show, uh, I think is just completely unfair. I just called you the seventh NFC playoff team. I think you have a a bigger heart. Yeah, you're trying to, you know... One How one kiss on the cheek is not worth uh,
3: for, <laughs> too, too little, too <laughs> late for the groin. I hear you all. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Can I, can I say something, Patrick? I. A lot of people are buzzing about the Lions uh, if they can be healthy and on the field. I'm a little surprised that people are so pumped up about the Lions. Not, not that they're so pumped up, but this team ended last year on a nine-game losing streak. Their defense was horrendous. And the head coach, he just – and listen, this is coming from a fan of a team that needs to get rid of their head coach, and you already know it, and he's still there. Patricia, to me, has all the earmarkings of one of those guys that just doesn't work out, and you're almost planning ahead, even while the season is yet to begin, as the future without him. I mean, maybe Matthew Stafford does stay healthy, but this idea – there's two things going on. We're going to do some division previews, so I don't want to get it too big picture – but two things that surprised me, what I've heard this summer, is people talking up the Lions and people assuming the Packers are going to come down to earth or, or somehow slip um, this season. That surprises me as well.
2: I think you, you got twofold things. I think that people saw what the Lions looked like with Stafford when he was healthy, and he was top-ten quarterback in my opinion. I think he, he flew under the radar a lot because of because they lost some games. I mean, this is a team that could have started out 6-0. and
5: I mean, he should have way, beat the they, Chiefs. They, that they that game was be, that was a great game, thirty four to thirty.
2: They, I think that's what people are clinging to now. I, I agree with you on the Matt Patricia thing. I think, I mean, look, let's let's be honest. He took over for a coach who was a dead man walking the time they got the G, they hired the GM. So I, I mean, I right. was confused as to what Bob Quinn's been doing since the moment he took over. Why I, I understand that Martha Ford wanted to keep Jim Caldwell, but. Why did he get a second year when you knew he was gone right then? After that, and they wanted Patricia. I mean, it's been earmarked since the moment Bob Quinn took over. So it, it, it's just been a a cavalcade of thing of moves that don't stack on top mm. of one another. And to get rid of him again this after this year, if if like you said, it's a you know it's a wit a bust, win or bust year for, for both of them. So they're going to be starting over from scratch again. And then do you get rid of Daryl Bevel if Matthew Stafford looks great with him, but you, you go 6-10 and because your head coach, you know, can come up with one good uh,
5: defensive scheme a year? Mm. Well, they they have defensive players this year. They add, you know, when your defense is as bad as they were, I think the way that they approached it of just adding so many pieces is the right move because they're just trying to get to average. And they added NFL quality guys. I, I'm not as down on Patricia necessarily. I, I think that he's got to have a chance. He's not a defensive mastermind. Though. It's not like the Patriots defenses with him were so bad. But the reason I think they are exciting, they have been a boring franchise. I'll, I'll buy that. But the reason they're exciting is because their offense, I mean, Matthew Stafford, I think you're underselling him in terms of top 10 quarterback. I think he was like a top three or four quarterback for the six or seven games that he's in there. Now, maybe it's a sample size thing. Ooh. You shouldn't get too carried away. But I, I honestly don't think there was even a question. I thought there was the best he was playing in his entire career and then you look at the pieces around him the line is fine I don't think it's a great line but I think it's fine it's not bad DeAndre Swift was the one running back in the class I thought was like if he was coming out 10 years ago he might have been a top 10 pick I mean he just has everything you could possibly want in a running back you have on Johnson who's a great uh, backup you have T.J. Hawkinson who should be better in his second year and you still have Galladay, Jones and Amendola which is a rock solid if not better receiver group I mean that is a that is a fun offense that was playing really well. The Honestly, the only thing that worries me about all that was it was six games and it's Daryl Bevel, and it's like maybe we were putting a little too much on those six games. But those six games, there was a lot to believe that that you could carry it over and that they would be maybe a top five, six, seven offense that they have that type of potential. Yeah, like I said before, I mean, you named all the pieces.
2: But aside from having two backs now, where's the depth? I mean, the wide receiver group. I don't see the depth there. Now, can you find a fourth guy? But if Kenny Galladay gets hurt, if Marvin Jones gets hurt again, I, I think they're just too thin at all those positions that they need everybody to stay healthy for 16 games in order to contend. The, re-
4: the idea that I'm buying Matt, Matthew Stafford as a top five quarterback from wire to wire, I'm
3: simply I'm just, not.
5: I'll buy that. I mean, I get that. But I, I think he was playing at that sort of level for, for a five or six game stretch there last year.
3: I want to rectify something, Patra, because it annoyed me in the moment. Uh, And now we have a golden opportunity. On Friday's show, uh, myself, Greg, and Mark all failed to really nail down what happened in Matt Stafford's lone playoff start in his career. Um, (laughs) A a loss to the Cowboys. It was the week before the Dez caught it game. Mm -hmm. But none of us in the moment could remember why it was so painful and why Lions fans were angry afterwards. I want you to be the voice of the Lions fans and tell tell <laughs> America and the world why the Lions got
2: The f- fact that not, none of you great football minds remember is just <laughs> exemplified. I know. It's forgettable. Boy, you you it your hurry. Hurry. I mean, it's Brilliant. true. It got
5: overshadowed the next week. by Let right, the man, man speak, Greg. It was
2: a penalty on the Cowboys, pass interference. They threw the freaking flag. And then got together, decided they didn't want to piss off Jerry Jones, and t- picked up the flag. <laughs> and then we had the worst punt in That's history right. that went negative
5: seventy-five yards the wrong way and <laughs> lost the game. I did. I did say something about pass interference on the show, by the way, but I couldn't yeah, quite the best remember the, of the details. Should never even happen.
3: <laughs> so, yes, maybe karma caught up to the Cowboys the next week. Is that? Did you? I, I guess you, as a Lions fan, you got some something out of that.
2: Well, I mean, it was the Packers, but yeah, you know.
3: It's true. It's all it's all See, losing. It's all losses. That's why the Lions will always stay high up on the pain rankings cuz the with the true painful franchises there there's layers to it. Oh. Just when you think that the onion is peeled back all the way, there's just more and Patra as a true fan sees that. One last thing Patra. Yes sir. An apology. <laughs> Another what's apology. happening here? I don't know. And by the way, congratulations on the birth of your son. Thank you. It's been, it's been too long. It's been too long since we had you. He's almost four months. Mm. <laughs> how you doing? How's how's fatherhood oh, in, a, great. in a pandemic?
2: Uh, you know, it was the first couple months when he didn't see anybody. That was pretty good. We got to figure out how to be parents without, you know, the in-laws over every uh, other week and such. <laughs> so...
5: <you know. laughs> But it's good. Yeah, you that know? is it
3: gets a little tricky with the in laws. You better the hope they're run. not around
5: the NFL fans. Ah, oh, yeah, we're good.
3: <laughs> now they're American. Hey, okay, probably not. But my apology, Patrick, is this, and again, an apology on behalf. Of, now, this one, not on behalf of the podcast. This one's just me. When Nick shook hit the scene and started showing up in the podcast studio with that body. <laughs> I might have been taken – I may, might have been carried away by it. I might have even given your drop I mean, to, to Nick Shook, the workout drop. And all that was wrong because you, you are sneaky yoked. You've always been somebody that's had a masculine build. And I want to tell you that I still appreciate your body. And just from the looks of this conversation, my own.
2: Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I'm actually going to go work out in about 20 minutes. So I'll, I'll be thinking of you. Mm, and what are I, you working I, on right now? I, uh, I'm doing um, Insanity Max 30. Beach bodies, wow! Yeah.
4: Beachbody. Oh. Yeah, no,
2: we uh, Kevin
4: and I have yeah. had many conversations about beach bodies. So, wow. yeah, Sean I, the
5: demand. I feel like we're really missing Wes in this conversation, though, because Wes was kind of the Kevin Patrick body truther. Yeah, it was, it was always like, eh. He's yeah, like maybe uh, was it like maybe maybe you. Maybe you uh, well, in his mind, it was the truth, or you uh, know uh, that yeah. like oh, what, Dan's giving him a little too much poppy. I
4: think he said something like, "I've <laughs> seen a billion five foot nine guys who weigh one hundred and sixty pounds or
2: something." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which you know, he <laughs> felt he took to about thirty pounds years. off me, but that's fair. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I appreciate all all criticisms and all praise
5: equally. <laughs> You do look like a, a fireman in his, in his prime right now. That's my, Patra. My maybe brothers, it's shirt. my
2: brother's yeah. unit in Livonia, Michigan.
5: There
3: you go. Shout out. Shout out to – what's your brother's name?
2: Matt. Shout Matthews. out
3: to Matt Patra, the fireman. Yup. How about that? Who gets more respect in the family, your firefighter brother or you who's carved out a really good media career at the NFL?
2: Um, Probably <laughs> – well – I mean, it, it depends. <laughs> I'm not going to answer
1: that
3: question. Right. Ah. F- f- think on that one. All right, Patra, I know you have an uh, appointment with the IT department, which yes, I do. Everyone dreads at the level of like a dentist root canal scenario. Well, um, so good luck with that. Yes, sir. Right. I that. mean, it, it really comes down to, and it's not just the NFL. It's any com- any big company when you call mm. IT, it all depends who you get. Because there are some great people in the IDT department that will help you out, and some where you're just like, "Oh, my afternoon is over. This is going to be mm. terrible." Patrick rolling the dice in real time.
5: Yeah, and I'm sorry for Patra's brother out there, but uh, they respect Kevin. Maddie, they respect I don't know, I'm, Kevin I'm telling you, said that ooh, firefighting. I mean, ooh, saving lives. How about uh, writing a writing a blog on the four new additions to the Jaguars COVID-19 list? Exactly. How about covering six
3: Super Bowls? Right. Yeah. Priorities, please.
5: <laughs>
3: All right, Patrick. We'll let you go. Right. Sorry,
5: buddy. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. That was good. It's been too long. Love he me. really maybe, as Mark um, alluded to in terms of his the amount of posts he's written, if I had to guess, I think Kevin Patra has more page views than any writer in NFL.com history.
4: I think it has to no be. No doubt. It has no to doubt. be. I mean, it's, he's gone nonstop for,
5: I mean, we were all in the mix years. there for, for a while, but um, now, you know, maybe even had a lead over Patrick, but probably for a while there, but, uh, I, but he's, he's dusted us.
3: It's almost impossible to imagine this now, but I, I remember working Saturday shifts uh, when we were the news writers and doing 16 stories in one day. Absolutely. Patrick has been grinding uh, that path for, for many years. And he's a good man. All right. Before we go, here's the problem. Here is the problem with ballers. Ultimately, what HBO and The Rock attempted to do was create sports entourage, and they were, we all remember entourage the the aughts uh, HBO comedy, and it's kind of become a bit of a punchline. Uh, uh, with the benefit of hindsight. But if you were in that moment, if you were in your twenties in that decade there, uh, and I will raise my hand to this. And I, and I think there's many listeners that are in our age range of the same way. You watched Entourage; You kind of are into it. It was kind of a, a way to like live vicariously. What would it be like to be rich and famous and in your twenties in Hollywood? And then the show just got increasingly terrible. By the time entourage ended, we didn't need entourage anymore. But The Rock and HBO says let's let's cook this let's cook this uh, stew up again and throw in the Miami Dolphins and the uh, NFL and all this stuff and it was just like it left a really bad taste in my mouth. That's why I hate ballers. Mm. Hey, I mean, that's your right to uh, to judge it as you see as you see fit. How many episodes did you watch? I mean, I'm generally with you, but I watched. I did honestly watch probably three or four because I really wanted to give it a chance. Mm. And I love
5: HBO. I do.
3: You I know what the like problem this is? I, Sopranos.
5: I think, look, maybe a fictional weekly football show could work or not, but I think the part of the problem is, you, are you going to be better than Hard Knocks? Are you going to be better than Last Chance You? I, I thought I was done with Last Chance You and the buzz out there is this is the best season yet, had to turn it back on and, and it's awesome. Like, I, I know it's not, that sort of thing's not for everyone, but if you're not going to top the drama, and the characters that you're getting in those reality shows, you don't need it. You don't need ballers.
4: I mean, I'd say the NFL's actual news cycle <laughs> has better stuff happening than ballers did too. It's kind of like a house of cards scenario where real life started to trump plat- plots that were fantastical in a dated time. I mean, ballers is not is not pushing the envelope enough when those episodes were coming out, based on Ricky, the four that
3: I saw. <laughs> Ricky, you get the final thought on ballers.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it sucks. <laughs>
5: You never watched it then, did you?
1: <laughs> no, I but it's not like I've seen clips of it. It's terrible.
5: All right. I'm terrible.
4: just hedging my but bets, bets for when us. The Neither Rock like takes over a big chunk of NFL media like two years from now.
3: you like, that guy <laughs> was on board this. with my show. And my, my one last rant is Kai Forbath got released by the Cowboys and it's Ooh. like, why did you even sign him? Why did you waste the man's time, Dallas, uh, Stephen, Steven. The whole game, McCarthy. When you just went and gave Greg Zerline a nice contract, and then you keep Kai and Limbo for months. And now where is Kai? Kai is unemployed in the midst of a pandemic that is getting worse by the day. You didn't do right by Kai. Hmm. Kai right. might be Kai, but Kai doesn't deserve that. And the Dallas Cowboys. Speaking of karma, karma got you in the 2014 playoffs. It's coming for you again for what you did to Kai Forbeth. If he's out of league, if he's out of the league, if he's made his last kick after what he did for your franchise at the end of December, you were a mess in your special teams game. And what did he do? He shows up. He goes nine for nine and he just kicks everything straight through the middle. And this is how you treat him. You try to ruin the guy's career. Well,
5: according to OverTheCap.com, Kai did get uh, $137,000 guaranteed for that contract. So that's a lot more. Not all that uh, money, though, Greg. And and just saying that's more gym equipment for Kai to be Kai, that's... uh,
4: (laughs) I mean, he could be in a support group with Brian (laughs) Walters, too. Brian Walters getting dropped to the curb in August isn't that helpful timing either. I mean, it's, you know...
3: Did you say
5: more gym equipment? For guys? <laughs> <laughs> what is he spending that money on? I mean, he's got, you know, he's I don't a big, know. the big new
3: maybe. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that's it. Mark, good luck with the move. Like I said, I would love to help you uh, with the move, but I, I was just traveling and it's very important that I quarantine right now. So I just can't, can't help you out. I understand. That. When are you I moving? Mean,
4: well, it's this sort of slow, Ho Chi Minh trail process that will take place over the next 17 or 18 days. I was going to say, when does the lead start? I, how is well, it they're, um, they're, they're related to like the. I'm not <laughs> judging either, but I would just claim it's not a, a pleasant experience, but thank you, Greg, it, for always diminishing <laughs> what we your friends go through. It's appreciated. Uh, but I am, I'm the market Mark in, in 14 days. You Thank it. you. We will speak then. <laughs> I'm right. literally leaving uh, the show right now.
3: All right, bye, Mark. Bye. We love him. Stan <laughs> Hansis. He did. He actually. He left. actually <laughs> I think he was done with today's show. Is is a very legitimate <sighs> take? I have.
1: Oh yeah, he was done <laughs> thirty minutes ago.
5: I Think he was done with Greg too.
1: Oh yeah, you really you got to text him, Greg. <laughs>
5: yeah, you know, this might perfect. be a text. He's not the first one, you know, it's not the first time. He's not the first one. Just is this, is this one of those days, Greg? The only,
3: it happens a couple times a year, maybe where you, you have to send the reach out text to Mark. Is this, is this qualified?
5: I mean, it's probably more than a couple days. I don't know. I mean, my life is just a series of people that I annoy as I, you know, travel along, travel along the Ho Chi Minh trail. (laughs) (laughs) Right. On that note.
3: This is Dan Hedges signing off for, in absentia, the quiet storm, the mailman. Who's doing well, by the way. He's working at it, and he's he's working his way through this, and we hope to see him back with us sooner rather than later. The old boss and the great Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Until Wednesday.
1: Restrictions apply.